0: This podcast is a member of the Place to Be Nation family. Visit us at Place nation.com. The only place to be in your pop culture
1: world. Come on, come on. It, we call it the, uh, the Place to Be. The Place to Be, yes. It's the Place to Be. Then I shall be.
2: It is contagious. It is the Place to Be, and we are live
0: each and every Monday. Do you actually need a camera for or is it like part of the program? Hello, um, yeah I like big Dick myself I
2: just command to see it's the place to be
3: do you listen it all when I speak on the show
1: party people in the place to be
0: you know yo, place to be is on my side Joe because you don't want to be the target when I fly the cool yeah place to be is on my side because you don't want to be the target when I fly the cool
1: place to be nation
2: proudly presents a powerful pair of pro-wrestling pundits.
1: It's JT Rosero and Scott Criscolo, and this is the Place to Be Podcast.
3: Place Nation! Welcome back to the great episode of the one and only Place to Be podcast. I'm your host, Jester Zero, you here on this Monday inside the PTBN studios. Also, I guess the North South Connection studios. Let's so do all the studios. And joining me, as always, is my PIC, Mr. Scott Criscolo. Scott, how are you?
0: JR, how are you? Hello, everyone. Welcome uh, to episode 642 of the longest running episodic when the fucking Gold Standard. Uh, now, on video on both the North South uh, YouTube and the PTB Wrestling Network YouTube. So yeah. if let's, let's lay year. it out.
3: So here's the Because I always forget, I've been forgetting lately. So, as you mentioned, audio on the Place of the Nation Wrestling Network, our whole archive is there, all 641 yep. episodes prior to this one. Yep. On video, if you search North South Connection on YouTube and subscribe, you'll get this in video format every week, as well as every other video podcast we have. And then place of nation on YouTube as well. You can subscribe, and yep. you get this video plus you get a lot of, um, I guess, audio converted to video, right? Of old episodes that are being run yes. um, of yep. our show. Right. If you rather. If you prefer to look, looking and listening on YouTube versus podcast applications, uh, you can yeah. listen to old episodes on YouTube as well. So plenty of places to find this fine program. And uh, the one we have here tonight is our third trip through the new Making Towns concept. Scott, I really enjoyed the first couple. Uh, we had a lot too. of cool feedback, which I appreciated. I think we were just, again, due for a change um, as we are creeping towards 700. <laughs> so uh, mm-hmm. always good to shake things up. Mm-hmm. For those watching on YouTube, you can already see our guest already in the booth here. It's our good friend, my co-host on WWE War over on the North South Connection, and you see him on uh, also on Final Wrestling Place with his buddy Tim, not the Tool Man Taylor, and of course he guests on everything else around here. And that is Mr. Marcus Fuller. Marcus, how are you?
2: Hello, I'm Marcus. good. Thanks for having me on. Uh, I think third time, perhaps. So
3: yeah, sounds big right. honor.
2: Appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. And I really like the uh, the new concept, the new format. Uh, big fan so far. So um, yeah, looking forward to it. Awesome.
3: It's good yes. to have you here. So let's just refresh yes. the format in case you're new since it's only been the third time. Uh, so we have a guest. We ask the guest to pick a wrestling town or city that's special to them and pick a match or show that occurred in that town. Uh, again, that may have some meaning or may just want to watch it. Um, we take that town. We take that date. We're going to go back in time. We're going to talk what that day in wrestling history, that week in wrestling history. We're going to cover pop culture from that week as well. Then we fast forward. We'll talk a little bit about what has gone on in that town historically for wrestling, and then we'll uh, end it by watching the match that was chosen. Or it's tonight, Marcus, you'll talk about it. it was more of a show than a match, but um, we try and keep it around thirty-five-ish minutes of the live watch and keep things hustle so. When we get to the live watch, we'll we'll tell them where they can queue up
0: and, and join us. But Scott, anything I missed on that? You want to hit? no no everything's uh good I, we thank you for the two uh for your support for the t- first two episodes we went to hot lana with chadley and then we went to uh to the uh to sin city las vegas with mr steve riddle so mm-hmm. uh thank you for your support we're having a lot of fun with it so it's a, it's a yeah, something different you know yeah. uh, i get a chance to wear the hats that i don't get to wear as much as i normally do so it's a lot of fun there marcus and uh you're not wearing the CM Punk hitman hoodie that's like the alter, <laughs> that's like the alternate hoodie uh, of uh, of uh, Brett but uh, it's good to have you here and we hope everyone's enjoying the format it's been it's a lot of fun something different you know? like it's always good to mix up the formatics, yeah. they say formatics. so the uh, Marcus
3: this uh, your choice I feel like is one. I would have expected like maybe 50, 60 episodes into this. We're like, ah, kind of running out of the big towns. (laughs) I'm a little deep. Um, So you have an interesting choice for sure. And uh, why don't you go ahead and tell us why you picked the town you picked, what you picked, and uh, what it means to you.
2: Yeah, so I've been privileged, blessed to live in some cool wrestling towns. um, Philadelphia. Um, But going to leave that for somebody else. Uh, You know, there's tons of stuff to pick from from Philadelphia. Uh, I live about... Thirty minutes right now from Hershey. Um, I'm like, okay, there's there's some some cool matches there. Brett Bulldog uh, was on a my- great business meeting in Hershey. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, <laughs> where all the big business goes down. That's and right, um, yeah. uh, but I thought about uh, like my my uh, my childhood years, uh, my my teenage years, and I spent that in Virginia. Uh, and then I thought about my first RAW. Uh, which is uh, what we're going to be covering, uh, the April 27th, 1998 edition of Monday Night Raw. Most notably, this is the EX Invasion Raw, uh, where they go about about 30 minutes uh, across the water over to Norfolk. uh, The Scope, which is where WCW was having Nitro, and I think that was a taped Nitro uh, because of the NBA playoffs. Uh, So they did a weird, like, 2 hour split and then an extra hour or something like that on on Tuesday but it's a red hot time in the business. I remember the day vividly. Uh this was my first TV taping. I'd been to a pay-per-view for WCW, mm-hmm. I'd been to a house show at the Spectrum, which was actually the day before the uh the curtain call. Um but this was my first raw. So uh this one holds a special place for me and there's uh there's a couple Like, iconic moments, I guess. Uh, When we get to the end of the episode, you're going to see a a shot of Austin, which is always in, like, every video package they have of Austin. Um, This is where Owen joins the Nation of Domination. Uh, And then, of course, you get the DX invasion and a a bigger reveal that we'll get to uh, once we start the watch. So,
3: Yeah, we'll be watching the last... Uh, 35 minutes or so of the episode. So, you know, we're not watching yeah. the whole raw, obviously, but we'll hit the last 35 and, and see what happens. And it's, it's crazy time when you think about it. I mean, it's what, about a month after Austin won the title for Shawn Michaels. Like it's yep. pretty early in the Austin top dog,
0: um, timeline. So
2: this is, uh, All the right. night after Unforgiven.
0: Okay. Yeah. All right. The Inferno match and two weeks yep. after they broke the, uh, they broke the streak. Yes, mm-hmm. because the August, the April 13th draw was the Steve versus Vince and it broke the uh, broke the Nitro run. So they were And like you mentioned, really... Nitro
3: was split up because this is during the uh, playoffs. So I went to a Nitro right after this in Providence that was like a 7 o'clock Nitro. Um, and I remember I could not wait to get home to watch Raw. <laughs> it it could not end soon enough. It was it was the one where Bischoff, it's the night after um, Slamboree, when Bischoff is on the motorcycle in the middle of the ring and he calls out Vince um, oh, okay. Or he celebrates that Vince no showed at Slammeria or whatever, and he celebrates the win. Um, so it's probably about a month after this. But uh, all right. So before we dive into that, we are going to stick around this time. And Scott, we're going to head back to the week of April 26, 98. And we're going to talk mm-hmm. about what was going down this week in wrestling history.
0: All right. Well, obviously, uh, we don't have any house show because it's tight. So what we'll do is. Uh, I will give the uh, dark matches and the taping for the Raw, and then I'll give, since we're not watching the Nitro, I'll give the, the Nitro um, yeah. rundown. So Raw was, uh, as mentioned, at the Coliseum in Hampton, Virginia. Uh, it was a sellout, 7,512. Uh, the dark matches, um, Timber the Lumberjack pinned Chip with a moonsault. <laughs>
3: No, do you I, I think Timber the Lumberjack was the inspiration for Kesha? The song Timber? <laughs>
2: <I> <laughs> Kesha was out. also
3: at this show, Marcus? I don't know.
2: I do remember these guys did a suplex on the ramp. Uh during oh, Were the they like,
3: match. like masked guys? Or were they just like...
2: No, Timber is just like a big burly guy, lumberjack gimmick. I don't remember the other guy much, but I remember Timber just like a lumberjack look.
1: I've never um, heard of these and guys.
2: He also is the local guy... Um, who had, like, a steel cage. So any indies that ran in the area when they needed a steel cage, Timber, oh, Timber. had to hook up. <laughs> yeah, so that's the extent of my knowledge. Wrestling is truck like,
3: truck. when people say, like, why do you love wrestling? It's like, there's so much stupid fucking minutiae like that that it makes it like the bat. It's like, yeah, back in the late 90s, this guy named Timber owned the only steel cage in the area. <laughs> so he drove he around like, with a pickup it's so truck. It's,
0: it's so stupid. But it makes he drove it around fun. in the back... <laughs> Cage Sometimes for sale, cage for rent. It's crazy. <laughs> so stupid. Um uh Draz was pinned by a guy that uh was um brought in by the jackal, and his name was Adam Copeland. Oh. So oh, I forgot.
3: I, re- I didn't realize I had the jackal with him early. Obviously the yeah. the Canada tie ins. Um, right.
0: Yeah. interesting. And Valvinus, which but well, you know, you know what it rhymes with. Pinned uh Marty Thurman. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Marty Thurman. Marty Thurman plug. Marty Thurman plug with a flying body press. Uh, those were the dark matches. Then they did four matches for that following uh Saturday's shotgun. Mark Marrow pinned Ricky Morton with the TKO. Uh Too Much, Brian Christopher and Scott Taylor defeated Matt Hardy and Jason Arndt. That would be uh the future Joey Abs. Yes, it is. <laughs> Steve Blackman, he pinned uh, D'Lo Brown with a crucifix after eight minutes, and the Legion of Doom defeated Jose Estrada Jr. and Jesus Castillo. Oh, gang wars. Gang wars. Kevin Kelly, he leaking, to... it, leaking it to early 98 with the gang wars. Right. Kevin Kelly couldn't just couldn't get enough. This
3: um, is going to be like tail end of the Bariquas, right? Because I think Savio's got to be done by that point, almost. So Yeah. Yeah, I would think so, right? I don't think they're around that much more into tonight. No, I don't think so either. The DOA uh, lasts like most of the year, but...
0: Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, because they're managed by... Because Legion Doom's with Sonny, and aren't they with... Ellering, uh, yeah. They're with Ellering at this point, right? Mr. .com or whatever. I don't know if
3: he had showed that. up yet. I know they start
0: their feud. They they fight for the first
3: time at Over the Edge, and then they have a couple more in there. So. That's right, because
0: LOD the night before uh, lost to the Outlaws. I think it was I think they had a tag title shot. Yeah.
2: So yeah, this not. night kickstarts the LOD, uh, DOA feud.
0: Yeah. Yep. Okay. okay. Yep. That's what I thought. Meanwhile, across the across the river, right as it was, as you said, Marcus, uh, at the Scope in Norfolk, uh, was Nitro. Uh, there were two dark matches. Uh, Cruiserweight champion Chris Jericho defeated Chavo Jr. and Bill Goldberg, the United States champion, defeated Scott Norton. Mm. Those are the dark matches. Now, Tuesday Nitro, which obviously aired the next night, uh, I'll give you the uh, the description stuff, featured Gene Okerlund conducting an interview with Diamond Dallas Page regarding Raven, with Raven then interrupting with a pre-tape promo. Moments later, DDP dropped, slick, dropped Sick Boy with a diamond cutter. As the show prepared to go to break, someone from the crowd entered the ring and hit a clothesline on Kidman from behind. Hmm. Fleas like Kidman. He's like, Kidman. All right, here's your matches. Chris Benoit defeated Disco Inferno via submission with the Crippler Crossface. Chris Jericho, the Cruiserweight Champion, defeated Psychosis via submission with the Lion Tamer. The Barbarian and Hugh Morris defeated Public Enemy when Barbarian pinned Johnny Grunge. Juventude Guerrera defeated Billy Kidman. Your television champion, Booker T, defeated Eddie Guerrero. Perry Saturn defeated Marty Jannetty. So who had the better night, Marty Jannetty or Marty Thurman? Marty Marty was Marty Thurman. (laughs) Maybe Marty Jannetty was Marty Thurman. And, of course, Uh, Jannetty was using the um, Hollywood Blondes theme at this point mm. as well. How insulting. Uh, Diamond Dallas Page (laughs) defeated Sick Boy. Your United States champion, Bill Goldberg, defeated Jerry Flynn. And in the main event, the Flins. And in the main event, Sting, Lex Luger, and the Giant defeated Scott Steiner, Conan, and Brian Adams via countout.
2: It sounds awesome.
0: <laughs> yes. No wonder. God, think of where we are at the NWO on Wrestling
3: Warzone with Chad and I, like we're in February 97, and it's still 90% elite, right? They got some hangers on, but then you just read that and it's like, oh god.
0: It's so freaking wild. It's not even now. a clean
2: finish, right? What was the finish of that? You said
0: uh like count? out Uh via count. out Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised it didn't say DQ with uh, 37 run-ins. <laughs> Marty Thurman and Marty Jannetty ran in because they both were in the NWO, probably at that point, since everybody was. You want to just think of it, yeah. Had had the Wolfpack. Uh, I don't think the Wolfpack started yet, right? It's oh, like no, right no. around here because Spring
3: Stampede is, um, Savage winning the belt, right? And then he loses it the next night to Hogan. Is that that whole thing?
0: Yeah. And then Sting joins. He comes out with the red face paint. Probably, the worst I think half. it's over the next month or so. Yeah, I believe is when it starts. Yeah,
3: that's, that was. The I big, think that's
2: uh, June yeah because yeah.
3: that nitro i went to the the um dark match was the match that they would do at is it the bash or where it's piper and savage against hogan and brett right yeah,
2: great american bash yeah. yeah so
3: they did it yeah. as a dark match it was so half-assed like again it was the
0: hour like they were out there in jeans wrestling it was so stupid the whole thing was stupid yeah uh so that's it so that's that's what was on the, the taped nitro which would air the next night and then uh and then uh that was what the dark matches were for what was going on at the Coliseum in Hampton before uh Raw started. So there you go. That's what was going on uh that night around the uh around the world in wrestling. ECW had nothing going on that night. They'd be the only other thing you'd check. Uh so uh JR, I, I feel like we haven't really had a lot of herb this deep in the weeds. Mm. But, uh, yeah, you know, this is late allergies herb. Yeah, technology is getting better for Herb then. So later, Herb. I can't tell you he
3: hates the attitude. Error. I know that from when I read these things before. But oh yeah, that does that does surprise me. All uh, right, so we're gonna start with April. We're gonna do three editions. April 9th, nineteen ninety eight. Uh, he highlights. You could tell Herb's right on my level. Highlights with six pictures of Sunny. They're not available in this uh, this version, but I'm sure on the Usenet page he had them up there. So there you go uh raw was a tape show with one hot segment at the start and the second hour steve austin came out a suit and tie to vince mcmahon's pleasure after a great interaction austin of course ripped off the suit tossed it in the crowd and delivered a low blow to mcmahon uh he kind of runs down the whole raw i guess we don't need the whole thing here um this is obviously right after mania so let's see if he has any Take a bow. thoughts uh to wrap up the show road dog billy gun hunters helmsley faced a doa in a horrible match the doa members are so darn bad This match had the usual sloppiness with missed moves. The finish was hilarious. When Helmsley Pyle drove chains, one of the Harris brothers was in the ring. He watched it, watched Hunter Hunter Helmsley cover chains, and then promptly left the ring to chase the outlaws. Uh. (laughs) He also mentions that Val Venus is coming. Uh, Nigel, this week is a three-hour show condensed to two hours for Canada once again. Unlike weeks past, however, this show actually featured some good matches. Perhaps given the distorted perception, the show is better than it was. Open we'll an angle that began around the removal of Randy Savage from the Spring Stampede main event. One thing that's good about putting together so much live TV is they can easily switch off to a new idea and have the TV time to try to get it over with the audience. The abundance of drawing cards also helps in that regard. Of course, they get a hold a quick tournament on Thunder, Nitro, and Thunder again to determine a challenger for Sting and actually use that tourney to give the main event some credibility to Chris Benoit, but that's daydreaming. He is a big-time Benoit mark. You know Benoit can't put asses in the seats, right, right. So um, I guess we can read some, some nitro thoughts. because It's pretty funny. Uh, Leparka, Sakosis and Aldani beat Tokyo Magnum, Judo, Sua and Nobun- Nobunaga. And in a good short match, Sakosis pulled, pinned Nobunaga, Nobunaga. With a light drop off the top rope, the Japanese side features trainees of Ultimo Dragon that have yet to see some TV time and worldwide as well. They're green to be sure, but in short trios matches, that doesn't play much of a role. Booker T beat Disco Inferno to retain the TV title. This is a really good match as both wrestlers were on. Buff Bagwell, double count out with Diamond Dallas Page. Raven lured Page away from ringside. Who cares? Who cares? Page's issue with Raven is maybe completely disinterested in this segment of WCW. Goldberg beat Hammer in the usual short jackhammer finish. Hammer got one piece of offense. After the match, Saturn put Hammer in the rings of Saturn submission, suggesting he may be out of the flock. Lex Luger be Barry Darso with The Rack in a bad match. Earlier on, Larry Zabisco commented, regard, comment, commented regarding Bagwell that the guys with the best bodies are often the worst actual wrestlers as they don't spend time honing their ability. That knock should have repeated doubly for Luger. Hennigan Adams defeated David Boy Smith and Jim Neidhart with a screwjob win. This match sunk us further into the abyss. For whatever reason, this program stinks. It's hard to believe, but every one of these wrestlers look better somewhere with other issues. Given that nobody looks good and the crowd was noticeably bored, why not just wipe them off the booking sheets and come up with something new? Why not wipe them off the booking sheet, uh, come up with a new idea? After the match, Bret Hart ran in and cleaned house and started getting some late booze during his new sheriff is in town shtick. The match got boring, chance. he talks about Jericho and Guerrera, and then uh sting and nash uh with a dq i was throwing dinner together during this match i only caught snippets but it did seem like both guys were trying hard that doesn't mean much nash has never had a four-star match in his career and sting has gone a long time without one something tells me at this point in time lightning was not going to strike with these two paired together i guess he didn't like the uh sean and brett matches The Observer reviewed WrestleMania this week. The initial reader polls show, saw the show get 90.3% thumbs up rating, with the remaining 10% split roughly evenly over thumbs down and thumbs in the middle. Best match was easily given to Austin versus Michaels, with Sable and Merrow versus Goldust and Luna taking second. In the Observer review, Dave Meltzer wrote the fo- uh, following. And as says Dave's thoughts on the big matches. Usual Besides the match-related comments, Meltzer also mentioned that Shawn Michaels was was wearing a ring around his neck because he apparently just got engaged to former WWF seamstress who played also plays one of Dude Love's groupies over the summer. Hopefully, this will put the rest of the Shawn is, <laughs> Shawn is gay talk that has permeated the internet for so long. Uh, it runs down the results of the New Japan Super Show, the Tokyo Dome. No word on whether Eric Bischoff was able to rebuild the WCW-New Japan relationship that has fallen into disrepair in recent months. Bischoff is at the show with that goal in mind. The New Japan wrestlers have become increasingly upset with the arrangement. that saw so New Japan pay $1 million to WCW for exclusive access to their wrestlers. Even before WCW's TV schedule added thunder, WCW is no longer sending headliners. New Japan TV would regularly showcase NWO Sting, Scott Norton, Buff Bagwell as the NWO foreigners. Many of the New Japan wrestlers felt that $1 million would be better spent divided amongst the Japanese wrestlers. WCW Spring Stampede on April 19th. Piper and Giant versus Hogan and Nash in a bat match. Sting versus uh, Unknown right now for the WCW title. DDP versus Raven for the US title. Davey Boy Smith versus Kurt Hedig. Booker T versus Chris Benoit for the TV title. And I can't believe he's still around. Prince Iokea takes on Chris Jericho for the Cruiserweight title. (laughs) Randy Savage needs to have been pulled from the pay-per-view due to an ankle injury. It's expected he'll be out in a number of months. Since they've been mentioning that IUK was trained by the Malenko's, it's a fair bet the d Malenko storyline will be continued during or after the match. In Your House Unforgiven as on April 26th. The actual rules for the advanced Inferno, Advertised Inferno match are in the air, with TV commentators saying the rules were still being ironed out. It's believed as suggested in the original promo, the match will be wrestled inside a ring surrounded by fire. Deferred symbolized the hell of watching Kane wrestle. They'd originally said that the loser would be set on fire, but it's already being suggested it'll be a normal match, except for the fire around the ring. Steve Austin versus Unknown for the world title, Undertaker versus Kane in the Inferno match, Luna Vachon versus Sable in an Evening Gown match, LOD 2000 versus the New Age Outlaws for the tag team titles, Owen Hart versus Triple H, and Jeff Jarrett will be singing. Uh, so that's about it. WCW is going to keep Bobby Walker and Virgil around. That's, <laughs> there you go. USA Network is reinventing itself, attracting younger viewers. There's some nervousness surrounding since the WDF has been attracting an older audience. Uh, and then he runs through like buy rates and ratings and the future pay-per-views for the year. Any quick thoughts there? We'll head to. Uh...
0: He is so angry.
1: He, yeah, I so mean, he
0: really does angry. not like this era at all. He is so angry, and yes, there are a couple of Kevin Nash five star matches. Maybe one, two. He's a little rough there, but he said yeah, four. He... I mean, I feel like there's at <laughs> least of 4 fours in there? Yeah, well, that Six Man
2: from '97. <laughs> that's really good.
0: It's just like, whatever. Him and him and Brett Survivor Series '95. Is Bash of the, the Beach of... '96? Yeah. <laughs> is that tag? Is that tag at 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 uh, Spring Stampede? Is that the one where Hall turns? That hits... match? Yeah, is that the one where Hall turns and joins Hollywood, or we haven't gotten that far yet? Maybe that's May. Yeah, I think it's later after the Wolfpack. Yeah, it's probably... yeah
3: it's probably... I don't know. This era of WCW confounds me quite a bit, so we'll see. But um... yeah, yeah. Oh, I hate Prince Ikea. <laughs> Marcus, any thoughts before we move on?
2: Uh Just intolerable disrespect towards Kevin Nash. <laughs>
3: yeah,
0: no, I... he didn't say five four star match. <laughs> God. At least a few of those. A couple.
3: All right. Let's get to our next batch here a week later. Uh, Raw was a live show with lots of excitement promised through their hotline. Maybe I was soft this week, but even though Nitro and Raw offered no quality wrestling action, I found both to be enjoyable. It's extra surprising considering just how bad some of the stuff was, particularly things on Raw. In actual wrestling, Bariquas, Savio, and Jose lost a DQ to 8-Ball and Skull when DX interfered. This was a chain match with expected real crappy effort from everybody. The DOA are horrible. Afterwards, DX laid out the Bariquas as well. Jeff Jarrett and Takamuchinoku went to a DQ with Club Kamikaze, Togo, Fanaki, and Teo. Up to that point, Taco was being manhandled by Jarrett, with squashed Aguila last week to reinforce the message that the light heavyweights offense is meaningless against heavyweights. The Quebecers lost to Terry Funk and Too Cold Scorpio, who was brought out as Funk's new partner, complete with a name change. It was like a time warp back to 1992 when Too Cold debuted as Ron Simmons' mystery partner, basically heating one hot move, the firebird 450 splash. It seemed like this match was had the same point. The only difference is the Scorpio has been exposed since that time, but to be honest, serious fans, is not having an ability of the initial promise. How dare he? His career path speaks to that. I guess that giving him some spotlight is meant to entice the WCW workers to consider greener pastures. Ken Shamrock and Steve Blackman went to a DQ with the Monday Night Express, bumbling Bart and Boring Bob. They continue to tell us that Blackman is in his rookie year on the dirty A small lie, I know. Owen Hart challenged anyone at DX who had the kahunas. Billy Gunn took him on in what could be a pretty good match, but this wasn't this time out. Finally, in an angle that dominated the show, Vince McMahon was in the ring to actually challenge Steve Austin for the title. In yet another case they're not delivering on a much hyped man event, this was the main event, was more hype than any in raw history in recent memory. Dude Love came out to interrupt the pre-match festivities to so some boos from fans who knew the screw job was coming, and in a weak, weak, weak angle, put a mandible claw on Austin, which I guess makes Austin versus Love the main event for In Your House. Night show this week was a three-hour show, condensed to two hours, yet again for Canada. There was little good wrestling on the show. They did do a good job of heating issues for the pay-per-view. Dave Finley lost to Scott Steiner via the recliner. Steiner now has the silliest ring name in wrestling, Big Papa Pump. Lenny Lane lost to Ultimo Dragon via the Dragon Sleeper. This was probably the best match it aired here for Monday, but it was nothing special. It was short, sort of nice to see Lane draw great heat from the fans that knew him. Chris Benoit cross-faced Glacier. Tony Schiavone rambled on during this match, saying, Lake Goldberg, Glacier was undefeated when he first came into the sport. What the heck? Lex Luger defeat, defeated Buff Bagwell by DQ and Bischoff interfered. Big Papa Pump came in along with his brother, the dog-faced gremlin, leading to a brawl with the total package and Buff the stuff, the real total package. Jeez, what's with all these nicknames? Bill Goldberg beat Rocko Rock with the jackhammer. DDP beat Royd from High dosage, or Rage, my voltage. you mean... <laughs> High dosage is pretty good. Rick Steiner beat Conan Sting and Kevin Nash. Had a match and went to no one else decision.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The rare zinger
3: that landed from her. (laughs) Anyway, Randy Savage hobbling to ringside. Liz was really taking good care of Savage, who was nursing his wounds. Bret Hart came out because he hates adults having fun, or no, he hates it when people get screwed. The NWO came out as well. They had what could graciously be called a cluster F brawl. Yeah, he runs down Thunder, which I'm not going to run down. Spring Stampede, pretty much the same card. They saw he yeah, has Savage maybe suiting up if he can go for the match. Nash seems to maybe be the replacement. Try to imagine Big Kev choosing to take on Sting for the title and not assisting Hogan the way he should in the bat match. They also suggest that Hogan and DDP could take the spot. Unforgiven, same card as last week. Uh, runs down the Tokyo Dome show on May 1st. Mick Foley's weakest character, Dude Love, is going to be around for a while. Raw beat Nitro, 4.6 to 4.2. This marks the first victory for Raw head-to-head in a year and a half. Considering the Nitro hype to Hulk Hogan versus Sting for a chunk of Raw, may would lead to the right people finally reevaluating Hogan's stock. But then again, Hogan can spin things in his favor since he was absent from the building. It'll be very interesting to see if this is just a blip, like people said the first Nitro was, or if a pattern has emerged. Why do I think all of the cheerleaders just said Nielsen ratings don't matter, are suddenly going to say they matter. Raw's rating built to a huge peak for the Vince McMahon-Austin finale. Considering that match was not delivered, and what they delivered was disappointing, maybe whatever curiosity created will be crushed. It's hard to say. Uh, and then again, he goes to the buy rates and pay-per-view cards. Any thoughts on that? And then we'll hit the last one.
0: Herb has become like the Vern Gagne of internet writers. He's <laughs> like so like out of touch with everything like he made fun of everything like that was actually cool like big papa pump is a great nickname he makes he makes fun of the whole vince and austin and dude love meanwhile you know it broke the streak so he's just he wants to just I mean go he back. wasn't
3: alone he's just he's that he's the earliest mark i think i mean it's just like that was just the mindset at the time out there like out with the old juiced up guys in with the young athletic guy like that was just what the obsession
0: was you know I on the do such- that was really good i'll give him that one <laughs> isn't that a good one in about 10 years so um yeah i just what did you think marcus i just think he's i i feel like he's just slightly out of touch but
2: one thing he said about like the wrestling not being good on raw like justin you're going through the project with chad um mm-hmm. on on war zone like when was Raw ever known for like its incredible in-ring action? Like I feel like that's just never
3: a thing. Yeah, I don't never. I don't get what these expectations are that there's gonna be great. Yeah. Even Nitro, I mean, yeah, you, you reminisce on the cruiserweight stuff and this and that, but there's never great matches on Nitro either. I mean, wrestling television historically as a whole has never had great in-ring action. So no. I don't get what is the fixation was in and being upset about it, you
0: know. Raw really doesn't become like a good wrestling show till the guys all come you know, end of 99 into 2000. And then when Kresge's book in and the the matches are better, but no, it's all about pushing the storylines and all the wrestlings on the pay-per-views. That's the whole point, you know? All right, last one. WCW Spring Stampede Sunday leading up to the show is not particularly well kept
3: secret that Randy Savage was going to win the title from Sting when he suffered a leg injury. However, everyone started second guessing Then insisted Savage would be replaced. The main event was delivered as advertised and Savage offered a gutsy performance to win the title in a garbagey bland match, which served as a backdrop to the fiction between Hulk Hogan and Kevin Nash. Overall, the show was a notch below the usual fare because the undercard didn't offer all the good stuff as cards gone by. It seems like I always find myself standing on thumbs in the middle, leaning slightly one way or the other, regardless of what company puts on the pay-per-view. Better aligns a really balanced pay-per-view match rating comparison in the table below. This time around, I lean a little toward thumbs down, but I don't particularly feel strongly about it. It kind of just runs through the whole card, which I'm not going to do right now. Rod tried to build a tremendous atmosphere of last week's show, minus the final few minutes Unfortunately, the show more resembled those last few minutes rather than the rest of the show. Do Love debuted an interview segment where Vince fined him $5,000. The angle is that Vince really recruited Love to go after Austin, but doesn't openly admit it. Austin versus Do Love seemed to fall flat. Farouk versus Kama is a really lame street fight with a spine buster. Dan Severin beat Mosh in a bad match. Severin has no oomph. goalless and Bradshaw went to a DQ or a no contest when Club Kamikaze interfered. Luna now promised to strip Na- Sable naked, and Sable says she doesn't care if she is as long as she can attack Luna. Two Cold Scorpio and Terry Funk beat the Midnight Express in a non-title match that made it clear how important the NWA titles are. Hunter Asselmzy of Road Dogg and Billy Gunn beat Owen Hart and Legion of Doom. LOD stink, but they have new tights. Dude Love beat the once-defeated C. Blackman with an abdominal stretch, even though Blackman didn't give up. It's all about Bret Hart. Vince pulling the strings to get his man, Dude, over for the title shot on Sunday. Vince said he would love to have Earl Hebner as a referee and be ringside. Vince promised us something catastrophic would happen or he'd refund our money. Steve Austin ran and attacked Vince for a few seconds and dude pulled him off. Gives a full um, <clears throat> unforgiving ranting, and then go through uh, some Nitro thoughts. I'll just read this part here. Hulk Hogan won the world title for Mandy Savage. Savage needs to rest and probably need surgery, so the result is not a surprise. The match is all storyline. Near the end, Kevin Nash came down to help Savage by powerbombing Hogan and putting Savage on top. While Nash was reviving the referee, Bret Hart came down and nailed Nash with the title, flips the pin around and revives the ref, and bingo, Hulk Hogan is the world champion, and announcers have a stroke suggesting that Bret Hart has joined the NWO. This fits into Bret not saving David Boy Smith and Jim Neidhart on Sunday. As I posted yesterday, I think it's too early to jump to the conclusion. It seems possible that after seeing Sting get screwed out of the title by Savage, Brett wanted to screw Savage out of the title, giving it to the main event the main troublemaker in the story, the guy who Brett wants the guy from who Brett wants to win the title. Although people are expecting Hogan versus Nash to fall out of this, I think it's possible to see Hogan versus Hart first, while the NWO pretends to come back together. Eventually, this see Brett as champion, and Hogan banished from the NWO, fighting Nash. Hogan versus Brett is a big bunny match that WCW needs to build to. Pairing them together as heels screws that up. So, of course, that's what they do. Uh, all right, he goes through wrestling psychology lesson here. I can read all this shit. Jesus, it's long. If you really want to read Herb's take on wrestling psychology and using match examples, you can go through it. All right, that's it. So not nothing else really going on here. Kind of a soft batch of Herb. I think by this point, there's so much like live TV in the Money Wars happening that a lot of his recap is just like talking about those shows and things that are happening in a little bit. And also, I feel like the internet rumors by that point were a little bit more widespread. So I just feel like there's less aggregation of those in his notes and it's more just about kind of what's happening versus those early ones we used to read where it's a lot of like,
0: you know, speculation Yeah, and and rumors and stuff. Yeah, It's almost like he's, uh, the internet is actually, you know, what started him is actually what's now hurting him because at this point you can go to, you know, Lords of Pain or whatever sites were popping up in 98, 99 and you don't really need Herb anymore, you know, he's almost getting uh antiquated you know what'd you think Marcus
2: um just the note on on uh Hogan and and Brett and uh the build to that and it seemed pretty obvious to me at the time as a kid and just the fact that we never got it and it was never you know built too well it was a easy money storyline that WCW had a big money match and uh yeah they just didn't deliver it. And I think like going back and reading uh, Brett's book and like his interviews, like that's when like, he really like checks out of WCW um, and he's just there to, you know, cash some checks. And it's, it's hard to blame him. Like, how do you fumble such an easy, um, easy score there with, uh, with Brett and Hogan? Hmm.
3: Yeah. I mean, he calls it right. He's like, this makes no sense. Uh, I don't know. This whole era is a, so like, when you hear about the political stuff, I, I you, I, to me, I always think of this stretch of WCW, like this, like the politics have completely overtaken. Bischoff mm-hmm. has really gotten kind of over enamored with his, um, positioning, whether it's in Hollywood and other stuff. Like it definitely seems like this is when the inmates really take over the asylum and to submarine, so many logical things by trying to keep a grip on the power at the top. Um, and there's an argument to be made. They're still the biggest stars and they're going to draw the most So whatever. But, um, you know, I have a pretty locked out memory of like pro wrestling in the 90s. And this is where I lose WCW's track is here because so much random shit just starts to happen all over the place. So. All right. Well, for now, Raw has closed in on Nitro in the ratings. And I think WCW may say things have gotten a little too close. Also thinking about getting too close is the band. Next, or RB, I really ban, I guess. RB Group next. And that is the number one song in the nation this week in 1998, leading us to mm-hmm. Scott Criscolo's Vintage Pop Culture Corner. I wonder if she could tell I'm hard right now. Hmm. Yeah. Come on.
1: Dance on it, <laughs> Yeah. Uh oh. You feel like. Uh, thank you, JR. So we'll begin, of course,
0: cute. with the Billboard Top 10. The week ending the previous Friday, October 25th, uh, 98. Too Close by Next uh, at number one. Uh, very uh, R&B heavy for this Top 10. At number two, uh, All My Life by Casey and JoJo. I'm mm. not an earworm. At number three, Let's Ride by Montel Jordan featuring Master P and Slick the Shocker. Uh, Frozen Russell, by... The- and Russell Wilson, yes. Uh, uh, Frozen by Madonna at number four. Uh, You're Still the One by Shania Twain at number five. Great song. Rome- yes, it is a good song. Romeo and Juliet by Slicky Silky Fine featuring Chill at number six. Number seven Sex body- on the Platter just to make you wet. The well, sex gets <laughs> you wet. Uh, Body Bumping Yippie I.O. by Public Announcement at number seven. All right. And then a complete 180, truly madly deeply by Savage Garden at number 8. This is a loaded uh, top 10. It is. Uh nice and slow by Usher at 9 and at number 10 sex and candy by marcy playground wow i was i was in radio at this point and i was all in on all these. i was just swimming in all these songs sex and candy was a good yeah. song i mean this is a really
3: loaded top 10 when you think of like this era for sure like, yep. i mean besides that Nikki ricky dicky dawn song whatever that was the number eight yeah. um mo- most of these other ones are are all super well known i mean like shania just kind of in there in the middle randomly truly madly deeply it was like a massive hit you know and that's in there oh so. yeah um yeah. Yeah, that, that's a great, that's a great top ten right there. Yeah, I mean this to... is a, this is like a key week too because this is right on my senior prom. So like every song you just mentioned, I think played played that night. I'm sure. Um, so right. it's definitely a
0: yeah, big so... time in music. Yep, and just to stretch out the next couple, every backstreets back by the Backstreet Boys at eleven, gone till November by Wycliffe Jean at twelve. That's my so cool. heart will go on the uh, the Titanic song at number thirteen by Celine Dion. Deja Vu by Lord Tariq and mm. Peter Guns at 14. And then No, No, No by Destiny's Child at 15. And then we got n and Mace and getting jiggy with it. Yeah, it was a loaded, uh, it was very loaded.
3: My favorite part of Deja Vu is when they did the different ones for the different cities. So like, they, they must have made so much money off of that one effing song. Like, like they, there was a Rhode Island version where they would say these minuscule Rhode Island towns. Like, they must have made one for every That's little funny.
2: area.
3: Orchisex. <laughs> It's like, it's so stupid, yeah. but... That is so um, funny. Yeah, no, that, I mean, that's a, that's
0: an awesome top 15 right there, for sure. Yeah, it is pretty good. Yeah, no, it definitely is good. R&B was, in its, was starting to really, for the rest of the decade... What was number 11? Um, what did you say number 11 was? Uh, Backstreet's Back. By Backstreet oh, yeah,
1: Boys.
0: Yeah. All right, uh, let's go now from the radio to the big screen. See what's going on. Uh, the movies that... Uh, uh, the weekend for the 24th, that weekend... 1998 at number 10 scream two as the franchise that brought horror back from the dead no pun intended in the 90s uh this was the sequel uh came out earlier in the previous year made 98 million total uh number nine the players club Uh, i don't remember that movie uh number eight mercury rising i think that was sci-fi i saw that Uh, in the theater no it was
3: um yeah it was
0: kind of sci-fi but not i think it was more like a action thriller okay hmm. uh number seven the odd couple two which i do not remember they did a sequel okay uh number six the movie adaptation of the great 60s sci- uh, sci-fi show lost in space uh paulie at number five no not but the rocky. i'll say paulie oh, from rocky huh not the rocky <laughs> paulie no, you got your own movie bless this guy's teeth out um speaking of titanic it was number four it had a uh, for total, it would make five hundred and sixty one million dollars. I mean, it's still a juggernaut. I mean, it had come out yeah. what, like December, early January time frame. So uh yeah, even might be it might even been in November, actually. Yeah. Uh crazy. Yeah. And it would just keep making money at that point. The object of my affection at number three. Uh at number two, uh City of Angels. That's the the uh Nicolas Cage uh Meg Ryan. I saw Ryan that as well in the theater. That led to another big hit that which we did mention. Uh what song was that? Uh the goo, goo dolls one yeah uh not shine The hell no iris called? is it iris 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 yeah. yeah that was another earworm on the radio and uh the number one movie of the weekend that was a day to be wild things uh i love wild things no, that's two years no that was a couple years earlier the big no Hit. Not, wasn't that 98 i thought that was 96 uh, wild uh, things. you might be right maybe it wasn't well anyway wild wild, wild things is an amazing movie uh, the Big Hit, which is, I think it was one of uh, Marky Mark's uh, first films. Um, so that was the number one. Uh, Wild Things hit. was March 20th, 1998. Oh, okay. I saw that. In the th- that was one of the first movies I ever saw. It was one of the few movies I ever saw by myself in the theater because nobody wanted to see it with me. So I don't know if I'd admit that. That's creepy. Uh, wow. Well, I did see it twice <laughs> in the theater. Oh, Wow. <laughs> Back, we, you saw it alone i saw it twice <laughs> at least that was with people my uh
3: the fair part you, saw, though, is you got
0: different it. people to see it with
3: twice no me, well it was me and annie both times and our friend courtney came one of the times but oh, um okay. but it was him and him and me both times um the uh <laughs> there was this old couple in front of us one of the times watching it and they were into. i mean they, were, they stayed all the time and Right before they're about to do like the, the freaking three-way or whatever. She's like, Oh, right. they're gonna make love, <laughs> ladies. I remember like it was yesterday. <laughs> Me and Andy, were dying. <laughs> yes, yes, they are. <laughs> oh my god, Sexually that's of the charged episode of the pc podcast here. Forget <laughs> what
0: do you, get when you bring, Marcus in. yeah. Exactly. Video. Oh. Um, that's right. Uh so let's uh, take a look at the diamond. There is no NFL, of course. Sorry, Marcus. Uh, no NFL, obviously, because we're in April. Uh look at baseball. Uh, obviously, this is '98, so the uh, Florida Marlins were the defending world champions. Um, they would never do that again because that <laughs> they wouldn't do it in '98 because <laughs> they sold two thirds of the team in the span of about a month after they won that series against the Indians. Um, let's see, the Yankees uh, threw a shutout. Andy Petit, Andy Pettit, with a one nothing win at the stadium over the Blue Jays. Uh, the Mets Stuck lost. The Mets lost to the Astros four to three. What's your team again, Marcus? I always Yankees. Right. The Yankees. All right, so you're yep. you're covered. All right, so the standings at this point. Now, obviously, we all know how 1998 went for the Bronx Bombers, but they were not in first place at this time. The Red Sox were 17 and six out of the gate. Uh, the Yankees were 15 and five, so they were a half game out. I can say how it ends for the Red Sox. It's not the World <laughs> Series. Uh, no, it was not. Uh, Cleveland, the defending American League champs, leading the Central at 13 and 10. I can say how it ends for them too yeah uh oh, they we're up two to one in that series after guess. Chuck, Knobloch. Chuck Knobloch forgot the rules. uh Chuck Knobloch forgot the rules uh Texas uh speaking of high dosage uh Texas was leading the al West at 16 and seven in the NL East Cleveland uh sorry Atlanta led the NL East at 16 and nine the Mets were 13 and nine just a game and a half back Milwaukee leading the central at 16 and eight and the Padres leading the West at 17 that would answer them too. Yes, room. Nope. <laughs> uh, yes, the infamous uh, home run. I'm not going to get into. It. I was get a, an argument with Armento about that phantom third strike that uh, that uh, Mark Langston throws to Tino. That Fox, I was I was goof that Fox didn't want it to be a strike because San Diego would be terrible for ratings if they won the World Series. So um, <laughs> they had to was, win four more games. They weren't going to win the World Series. They <laughs> got <guys> swept. <laughs>
3: <laughs> like one pitch. Fuck it. it. wasn't game seven. I mean,
0: <laughs> no, but they would have fallen behind one game to none. They were losing to that game at that time. Greg said Vaughn. They were down
3: two one to Cleveland. They came back. Come
0: on. Yeah. Well, Greg Vaughn hit two bombs in that first I game guess. off of Greg Vaughn. And then of course, right. uh, and of course, uh, yeah, all right. Uh, yeah. They're just Trevor as uh, successful as every other Padres team in history. It's, uh, <laughs> that's true. And and the 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 payroll then was not as much as it was last year. So, all right. <laughs> Finally, to wrap things up, there was some there was some uh major uh, yes. NBA, move on. There were some NBA and NHL games, but uh, we do have to finish, of course, uh, with what episode of speaking of uh, sexed up, uh, the episode of Beverly Hills 90210 for this week still it, on uh, aired it, uh, yeah, this is season eight, eight, season What's eight, 2000, yeah. Two thousand. yeah, this is, wow. this is the, we're on the back end of season eight, uh, this Stop episode, that, this episode, no, this, this is, this is the season where it starts to, starts to really dip, uh, it's, it's still fairly okay season eight, but seasons nine and 10 are just, are, are not good, uh, this episode is called Skin Deep, it aired, uh, the following, uh, Wednesday, April 29th, 1998, <laughs> Uh, a sex shop. Wow. This is we are very themed, <laughs> Mark. We are very themed. This is very yeah. erotic episode. <laughs> Here we go. Uh, a sex shop opens in Beverly Hills. Brandon, Steve, and David patronize the store under the guise of covering the controversy for the newspaper. Brandon infuriates Kelly by defending the store and its clientele and attending a wild bachelor party for months. Uh, a misunderstanding causes David and Val to fear that they are having problems with their sex life. Steve decides that he is interested in Janet after she expresses her philosophy on free love. Uh, Donna discovers that her assistant who has very low self-esteem calms herself by uh, cutting her arms with a razor. She tries to convince her to seek help. Donna asks women of normal measurements to appear in her catalog because she believes that using models would send the wrong message. Kelly is revolted when Jackie opts to get a facelift and Aaron frets about calories. This was like, like sanctimonious, like Ugh, I hate it. Kelly get, it. Kelly was my favorite, my one and only.
3: But after the I choose me bullshit and all that nonsense, after she gets set on her fucking high horse for a, a yeah. rampant drug addict, she really, she yeah. really, oh, gets she so was a, yeah,
0: she was an absolute hypocrite. Those last big ass cokehead that got yeah. sucked into a cult. She yeah. offered, has quite <laughs> the
3: views on everyone else's bullshit. Exactly, <laughs> that,
0: she was just absolutely. It, that I think what ruined that those last seasons was was Val leaving because Val and Brandon leaving.
3: Coming... He said that he should have stayed. Um, he regrets leaving, but that yeah, it, it should have ended like with him in nine and like whatever. All right, we don't even I, get into exactly. It.
0: And then you know uh, Dylan came back, but he it, 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 by then it wasn't it wasn't the same. No, so. I was a desperate hail mary. So anyway, went. yeah. So anyway, that's your uh, that's your vintage pop culture corner. All right.
3: All right, so let's move over to Hampton for Raw is Raw. Um, we do have some notes about Hampton, but let's get to them while we're watching because I know we want to get this fired up. Yeah. So we're on the cock. Uh, we are on Raw from April 26th, 1998. 27, 27th. 27th, 1998. Uh, season 6, Episode 17. Timestamp is 5510. If you want to pause for a second and sync up. That's where we're going to be at. And we will got to count us in and start in three, two, one, go. We're right into a match. The Undertaker is taking on uh, NWA. Is the
0: is he NWA North American champion here or no? What's he got going on? With Barry Wyndham. I guess he wasn't. Eternally.
2: Right? Yeah, forever.
0: I thought it was Jarrett. Wasn't it Jarrett at this point or no?
2: Yeah, I think
3: Jarrett oh, our- beats, beats Wyndham, I think. And then Wyndham joins, right? Is that what it is? Yeah. Okay, oh, yeah, because he's got NWA on yeah. his uh on his tights. So. This is
0: gonna be almost it
3: for him, right? Like I don't think he's around much longer here. No, I don't think so either. I and mean, it's crazy he's even at this point.
2: Yeah, because he's back so... in WCW in one December Yeah, the West January ninety
3: nine. Yeah. Yeah, I mean he hangs around and he might be one of those guys that just does like shotgun and house shows. I mean, it's like a five second match right here. Choke slam tombstone. <laughs> this is it yep yes. um so hampton has never had a pay-per-view it was a house show spot for crockett a lot of tv shows raw smackdown and wwecw um nitro was at the scope dx was invading in a jeep They interacted with fans outside the arena wcw uh, at one point they attempt to enter in one of the garages and they got they got locked out and uh, as we mentioned, Unfor- Unforgiven was the day before. So, not, not a lot going on here historically wise uh, for
0: Hampton. So, we can focus focus on the episode at hand. Yep. Unforgiven yeah. It's was uh, in, uh, Charlotte, I think, right? Unforgiven? Charlotte, Greensboro. Uh, yeah, Greensboro. Greensboro. Greensboro yeah. yeah. Greensboro. Yeah. I like the Inferno match. Yeah, I don't have a problem with it. I think it it's a good visual. I don't think yeah, any, I think the expectations were kind of low for it anyway. So, it's a good visual.
3: Yeah, this, this era Raw is still, like, I don't care. <laughs> like It's still the best era. Like, 97, 99, 2000. I mean, just the look of it, feel mm-hmm. of it. I'm, I'm really excited to be getting to it on Warzone. Like, getting into that time period where we're at.
2: Laser pointer right to the eye?
3: <laughs> Always.
2: <laughs> uh, did you have
3: a laser pointer? No.
2: I had one either. of the
3: keychain ones. But I don't think I ever used it at a World Wrestling Federation live event. <laughs> so what's it? he's basically saying,
0: come out and talk, Kane. Is that what's going on? Yeah. How long did Taker have the, the tear on his face? Was that from when he came back in 96? I'm trying to remember.
3: Yeah, he has it from Survivor 96. And I don't. No, if he gets rid of it until he comes back as the ministry in January. Like, I think he has it They're all in 98, I, I think.
2: Yeah, I think so. Mm. Does
0: he have it, like, for the Highway to Hell and all that? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, because then 99, he comes back, he's got, like, the Soul Patch thing going on. Yeah. Out of, uh... Castrol G- GTX. <laughs> Do you guys
2: use Castrol during this time? Just because <laughs> the, uh, I drank it. I was that. so pumped. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: Slam of the week. I forgot Vader came out during that. He does, that.
2: yep. Just to catch. That Barely does that. Shit.
3: <laughs> fry him is up. that the, That's the fat piece of shit, right? No, it's or the that... next month. It's um over the, edge. Over, the edge. over the edge. Over the edge.
0: I'm just a fat piece of shit. Or is there no shit. way out?
3: Because they fight twice. I think it's over the edge,
2: right? It's, it. it's, it's over the edge. Yeah. I'm so I'm big. So big. <laughs> just a fat piece of Look shit.
1: at me. Yeah. So big. <laughs> <laughs>
3: I like Castro because my one of my friends in college dad worked there and he'd bring boxes of swag over to their room. Nice. Gifts from Castrol. Uh, but no, I did not use it myself. I mean, maybe whoever's changing my oil all the time. All right, here comes Kane. Here comes Uncle Paul. Well, this,
1: well, well. where do you Stop rank me. this
3: Kane? I, now that we know Kane's pretty much done is this original run cane the best cane like what's what's the best cane for you
2: best cane for me is it's probably the juiced up comeback in o2 from the bicep injury mm. but I think yeah. character wise this is the best one if there is a way to take like the look and ability of o two cane with yeah. this cane that's like ultimate cane
3: yeah I think I like original recipe cane here um. Pretty high, even though in ring is shaky. I mean, the best Kane probably—I'd say the answer may be like ninety-nine with Xbox and Tori. Like, I mean, oh, he's yeah. so over during
0: that stretch. I mean, he's great yeah. then.
3: Um, yeah, that O two return Kane is good too.
0: I'm coming up on that in one of my chrono watches. I'm in June right now, and when does he come back? It's Aust- like
3: September, isn't it?
0: Yeah, because he uh... or August. It's it's
3: after Summer I think. It's leading up to Unforgiven. Yeah. yeah. Because it's thing. after unforgiven, is the
0: you're and a murderer, then, and we all, yeah. So it, he's
3: know. welcomed back by Triple H bang, and his dead girlfriend, <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> oh, god,
3: I wonder if that was part of uh what Janet was into on that. free, free, uh, <laughs> free, sex, free <laughs> sex
0: without nobody answering, yeah.
3: Does that include necrophilia <laughs> with a dummy?
0: That is amazing.
3: So, was this the episode, Marcus, with or is it the next one where? So this is what's on right now if you're not watching with us is Paul Bearer is telling the story of basically being Kane's dad and how the fire happened and banging his mom and all that stuff. Um or, wait, is he yet? Or is he talking about how he clean this is the whole thing, right? Yeah. He's talking right Olden. now about how he cleaned Kane and took care of him. Yeah. Yeah. He does. I think this is where he says he's that he's his uh I love the episode. Is it this one or later where he's talking with King backstage about what it was Earlier. like to see It was earlier this night?
2: No, it's not this night. Um,
3: It's going to be after this, though, because they're joking about banging his mom. And if this is where he says it, right?
2: Yeah, I... I thought they did that before. Because, like, Barra talks about banging Undertaker's mom. Like, to Mm. get it Undertaker. But then the reveal here is that...
3: Oh, he was Kane's dad. Paul
2: Barra is actually Kane's dad.
3: Okay. That's like one of my, that's that's one of my favorite things when they're backstage yeah. talking about
2: it. Was that on G T V they show it? No, that was just like um oh we thought we went to break oh, and the cameras down. It. Yeah. yeah.
3: It was my son's
2: hand.
3: And this is a pretty good story twist. Like, why not? Have Paul Barra be
0: Kane's dad. No. I mean, it makes sense.
3: I mean, it was a good way to keep this going, you know?
0: Yeah. It's crazy
3: to think, like, where do you think Taker goes if they kill Kane off like they were going to, right? Because Kane was just a at mania 14, and that's it, right? That was a short-term thing, five-month run, and he's done. Um, He got over more than they thought They keep him around, but does Taker still get the Austin match and all that, probably right.
0: Yeah, just yeah.
3: So something else in between there.
0: Yeah, they needed probably to give has Austin another run with Foley. Them. Yeah, I mean, what high profile guy at this moment were you going to give Steve? At, no, at, yeah, it had it to be MSG. It's a, it's, it had to be Taker. There's I mean, he fights there. Foley anyway in June,
3: so yeah. I think it's really just April May you got to kill. So you could have heated. I mean gold I could use gold dust. He's on screen right now. You could have done um Yeah, you could have turned Vader back heel and done Taker Vader. He's to show some guys
0: that could have dug up. <laughs> Jerry's such a dick. Look wow. Out. Taker's mom's a whore. <laughs> He's an asshole. Kevin's like, so Goldust, tell me about <laughs> your thoughts on extending the gang wars. <laughs> Who's your favorite I look team? Kevin's- I love Kevin's hair. Kevin's hair looks uh Oh, <laughs> that was a good attack by the dude.
1: <laughs>
0: oh,
3: such a random. Was dude just attacking random people?
2: I think he's trying to get the title shot.
3: Oh, okay. Oh, so Goldust yeah. was getting his spot.
2: Yeah.
3: Some of this is so spotty. All right, here we go. Yeah. DX has arrived. Back yeah, in the army gear. Um, I mean, this run for them too is like crazy. From I'd say probably this because that first month into Unforgiven is weird where they're still kind of heels. Um, I feel like this is where they kind of turn. It was like this night.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Because they're heels in that after Sania. So Well, still... the heels in
3: Unforgiven because he fights Owen again. And like the Outlaws fight the LOD. So there's still right. heels there. But I feel like this is when it really starts to turn for them. They do the invasion. They,
2: they were baby faces on this night. There was yeah. everybody in that crowd was uh, ready to suck it.
3: Because over the edge, do they fight the nation there already?
0: Do they do like a six man? Yes. Yeah. And then King of the Ring. Well, Hunters hurt or whatever, right? Hunters hurt. And then fully loaded, they do that weird draw. 30 minute Iron Man. Yeah, the draw for the IC belt. And then SummerSlam, they have the ladder. Yeah.
3: So Nation, Rock, I mean, Owen, Kama, and Mm D'Lo fight Billy, Road Dog, and Triple H. At judgment at uh over the edge so yeah I, I think this is their face turn ostensibly here because they're definitely kept them heels into unforgiven um <clears throat> and now he's issuing a challenge who's he challenging i missed it i looked down for the european title did you
2: see um uh, it's open challenge
3: no doa he's saying oh doa
2: okay Oh yeah, because yeah. earlier it was uh, DoA versus the Outlaws. The Outlaws come out on the mopeds.
3: Oh right, yeah, yeah. There it is, eight ball. How do they know it's him? Uh-huh. <laughs> it's Severin,
2: right. Severin,
3: and <laughs> <In> Cornet. <clears throat> Severin is so weird. Like, I think if you watch these raws in order, like you think, oh, Severin. I remember at the time thinking he had like so much potential. I was excited for it. And I think he probably has the run of the most random, odd bullshit. Like, I feel like they threw him in all these random (laughs) angles and moments. Like, he's got the thing with Owen breaking his neck. You know what I mean? Like, D'Lo, when he breaks D'Lo, rips D'Lo's pec. Like, he does all these random shit all through this run.
2: The random turn to help Owen. Yeah. Yeah.
3: So there you go. Severin uh, is taking the year open challenge. I kind of like that. like them running down to get there before anyone else does. I don't know if he needs to watch Severin Undress as thoroughly as he <laughs> does. Who,
0: who wants to wrestle me? Oh, you do, huh, Severin? Here we go.
3: See you, Jimmy. I'm guessing this is the end of Cornette. This is probably writing yeah. him off.
1: Yeah, I, I guess know. so. Like,
3: it's probably the end of the NWO thing, too, right? Because I think they're pretty much done with it. Because Jarrett, yeah. yeah, he's singing at... Uh, Oh, he's already singing, right? Was that Unforgiven? So he's yeah, already done he's like the NWA stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is gonna be Cornette's. That must be them writing off. It's almost him. like
0: a. it's almost like a reimagining of when uh Andre turned uh face yeah. on Bobby at WrestleMania 6. It's like the same camera angle and everything. Smacks him and do you think yeah. this was also um Maybe this was Wyndham's last show
3: because Taker squashed the shit out of him, so this might be them burying the NWA angle. Ooh. I don't know when he leaves. Because I don't know what the Midnight Express do after this, but...
2: Not enough. I love the new Midnight Express.
3: Herb isn't a big fan. Uh, Clearly. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, his last... uh, His last TV appearance, losing to Vader on May 11th, and then a house show on May 16th. Okay. He's in WCW at the end of the year. End of 98. So... I mean, yeah, that's like two weeks after this, right? So he's pretty much done. So this must have been them just killing off the NWA stuff. Because Severin, I think, from here goes just like kind of Madman, right? He's in that King of the Ring. And I thought for sure, I mean, as a 17-year-old, I was convinced Shamrock and Severin was your King of the Ring final to mimic the UFC stuff. Mm. Just, they could not get Severin to click in any way. Like, they tried, but I feel like there's lost potential in there. He almost feels like a guy that would have been better if he was there in, like, 96. I don't know. Like, where they could...
2: Yeah, 96, 97.
0: They could be yeah. a little more serious about it. Before
3: yeah, well, by really... 98, you could have a personality or you're fucked. <laughs> like, it's, mm-hmm. like, that's what matters the most in this era. And he's a super bland. Two years earlier, like, everyone's bland. So, like, he probably would have been much better suited for, for 96. Or later, in, like, 2001, when they really go heavy work rate... With all those guys, like maybe he would have been better during that. I think he just comes right. in like the worst possible one-year period he could have came.
2: <laughs> got a Val Venus uh, vignette. Hello, ladies. I remember the crowd went nuts uh, for this vignette because we saw him during the dark match, and he got a huge pop during the dark match. Everybody was into the act.
3: I'm gonna um, throw out a. I'm gonna throw out a hot take. Yeah. <laughs> all right.
0: My hot take
3: gonna... is that. Val Venus should have never entered an arena and wrestled. They should have just done vignettes of these for like for like a year. Like like Glacier, like times 10. Because these are great. <laughs> these are awesome. Like imagine him just doing these for like a year and it's just like oh, I'm coming, you know, and whatever. And then because <laughs> these are super memorable. But I mean, I did like Val for the first couple of years. Yeah. He peaks with that Rikishi feud. I mean, they basically this is a very sexual <laughs> charge supposed to be like this late girl just went down on vowel in the convertible.
0: Did you find keys yet, honey? Why don't you take <laughs> another look? <laughs> uh is this our yeah, main great.
3: event?
2: Uh no. This is another uh talkie bit, I think. Oh yeah, yeah we Mark got Mark Merrow. Merrow. Oh, my favorite Marrow, my favorite Marrow. My, <laughs> <favorite Merrow. laughs> my favorite Mark Marrow. Super underrated heel run. He's oh really my god, good I love him.
3: Yep, from No Way Out until, is it uh, when does he lose that match? Oh, he's around for the end of the year, but uh, yeah. I guess SummerSlam. That run right there with Jack, the initial yeah. Jackie run. Yeah, so. I good. think he's
2: working house shows with like Austin during this time. What the like, fuck does he's... he have jorts on for? <laughs>
3: Oh, so I totally forgot about that. That celebration at over the edge is fucking iconic. <laughs> oh yeah, when he beats her. yeah, yeah, yeah. He rolls he gives the sob story to Sable and she bites and then he rolls her up and fucking celebrates like he won a world title. I'll tell you, I, I think I feel like Jackie is super underrated. And I feel like what hurt her was that back end of the Dirty F run where she was kind of just like around forever in the women's division. The but man she is, she is amazing in WCW so far where Chad and I are watching with Sullivan mm. at the Benwell. Like she is really good. And I loved her at this angle with where she comes in and she basically basically rerun the same angle. It's like she comes in as marrow's new, you know, new chick against uh his old wife or whatever. So like it's it's pretty much the same story and it's so good when does she does she debut is it after over the edge is she not there for that match
2: it must um, be after
3: because she's there for fully loaded obviously that's mm-hmm. when they do the bikini
0: her so she transfers so she transfers off of gold dust Jackie uh, Luna no Luna. Oh, you talking about Jackie? I thought you meant Luna. Jackie. Sorry. Yeah.
3: No Luna feuded with Sable from from No Way Out. They did the the tag thing with Merrow and Goldust were on a team and they fought. Right, right. That's right. WrestleMania yep. they do the mixed tag with Merrow and Sable against Goldust and Luna, which is which is really good. And then Sable and Luna fight. They fought the night before at Unforgiven. They had the um, evening gown match. And now they transition and they get into a fight and they fight it. Merrow and Sable fight at Judgment Day. So Sable I mean, Luna's like done with her now. Yeah. This builds up Sable and Mero And then um it's fully loaded. Uh that's, that's the, the bikini, bikini. Right? The Jackie nip slip. Yeah. But in between with Sable is that whole thing. That must be what Jackie debuts because they do the whole thing where Vince gives Sable her job back. Remember, she's in the luxury box with him at King of the Ring.
2: That's King of the Ring. Yeah. And he rehires yeah. her.
3: But then they don't really go anywhere with it. They kind of hint like he's gonna make her work for him or whatever. And they don't.
0: He's so freaking amazing. He really is. <laughs> it's
2: perfect mannerisms. With the fucking jorts.
3: <laughs> and the mute. this theme is so good too. That's it. You
2: had a great action figure too. The uh the jacks, bone crusher.
1: Dun dun. dun. Mm, mm, uh. And he actually,
3: he starts to get the ring work back a little bit, too. Like, once his, once he gets better on his knee, because when he first yeah. comes back, it's gone. Like, he's terrible. Mm-hmm. And then I feel like toward the end, he starts doing the wild thing again and shit. And, like, maybe pull the, the boxing shorts all the way up. <laughs> <laughs> Very high. And he do it. I feel like it right right near the end, he starts to get it together. And then he, he's got, like, one of the most committed ever retirements right he says if dwayne gill beats me, if gilberg beats me or whatever i'll leave and he, <laughs> left. he never came back that was it
2: gets a wcw paycheck
3: right for doing nothing mm-hmm. and then he goes to uh tna as johnny b bad again right for a little bit
2: Yeah. Yep.
3: so this is pretty much their split i think
2: what else do we got coming up in the war zone Oh, we got about 15 close. minutes left,
3: so it's got to probably be close to the main event
2: here. Yeah, I think we're getting close. That's right. So, earlier on in the night, uh, when the match was announced for the WWF title, uh, Riska was announced as the uh, special guest referee.
3: I'll make you proud, Mr. Mac, man. Mr. Mac, man. Yeah, and this all sets up over the edge, which is one of the greatest WF main events matches ever totally it's like their masterpiece of mm. I, I may argue like obviously you know it's high right but is it the best match ever in the company when you blend everything yeah I guess hard Austin blends everything so maybe not but like when you blend ring work with storyline with finish like the whole thing mm-hmm. right it's got to be high
0: package. It's it was it's, a perfect it's, package. It's a perfect the, game. Yeah, it's a perfect game of that early, of the early attitude era where you have two guys who it's going to be a brawl, so you got to add a lot of other intangibles and you put the pieces in place and let him and Foley wrestle around them right. rather than. But the they other worked one around. the brawl so well;
3: it's like a great yeah, match. Does. And plus the
0: Gaga, and then all the shit at the end. You fucking take her Taker... flips out, and fucking choke names everybody. It's yeah, crazy. that's
3: like some of the best stuff. And then Austin. Or uh, is that when Dude hits him with the chair? Dude is hits Vince. Ass. Yeah. And, so then Austin, him. and then Austin
0: lifts up Vince's hand on his own. Yeah.
2: <laughs> right in the face. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
3: He took back to back fish. Like the night before this, he took that nasty one from Austin on the floor, yeah. at unforgiven. I mean, there's no touching early heel, Vince. I'm such a mindfuck going from watching them you know as a kid or whatever as an announcer and then to this the esteemed Gerald Briscoe <laughs> <laughs> So is this Austin and um Goldas? is that what this is scheduled as? Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. And it's a sneaky good move of them to put Briscoe in this spot in Hampton because it's still very much a WCW Jim Crocker Promotions town. Right. Um the WWF ran a house show in December ninety seven, but before then they were out of Hampton. Uh, it was strictly WCW area, same with Norfolk. Um, and they still struggled with like fully converting that area to being a WWF town until yeah, the mid two thousands. Um, they still weren't even doing consistent sellouts up until like very recently, uh with the product being super hot. Um mm. so it I remember when Briscoe came out, like a lot of people like knew who Gerald Briscoe was because of because of Crockett territory and, right, and George right. and stuff like that.
1: Luna.
3: So he's kind of he's still artist formally known as Goldust, but he's kind of just normal gold dust. <laughs> he's not really doing like the weird shit here. Like he doesn't even have
0: the silver on anymore, does he? Is that gold? I think it's just the gold. Yeah, he's he's pretty much back to being like 96 gold dust. Like, I don't know why the artist part. He... Yeah, he's in a weird spot
3: now for, until he turns, until he does that. He has risen, turns into dust and stuff later in the year. Like, I think he, he doesn't do a ton now for no. a few months here. I do like when he cut the sleeves off the, the jumpsuit, though. I feel like he can move
0: finally. Oh my God, I'm watching on my. O2 watch. He is when he's trying to, you know, become friends with Booker. It's so ridiculous. <laughs> so bad. When when Booker, I forgot if I think it's the pay per view, might be Judgment Day when Booker uh, hooks up with the chick in the hotel and the light squad. The oh, he's in the, the bed. He's in bed with him. <laughs> yeah, <that's> pretty <laughs> great. Oh, I
3: mean, awesome. it shows you the depth they built up, though, like pretty quickly i mean the other card is still shaky through a lot of 98 but i think i gold us out there is just this like gatekeeper kind of guy that can fluctuate between divisions and be a worthy title contender on a random raw and mm. you know not do much otherwise
2: yeah with where you are uh with a uh, wrestling war zone i'm like always amazed with what wwf was able to do with like wcw scraps mm. and like and fairly quick order too like yeah.
3: That turned the whole company around, honestly. Yeah. The Hart family and WCW Scraps is what turned it around. Like, Brett, Owen, Bulldog, and then Austin, Vader, Mankind, Goldust, Pillman. Like, I mean, all the guys they got from, from mm-hmm. even the, I mean, LOD comes back, and they're like a big part of it, too. And they had, you know, been recently in WCW more than they had WWF. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. They really build it on the back of that. The, the Valvina stuff with Goldust is funny. That he has risen, he has come, or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> or I have come, is that what it was? That's what he put. Yeah. It just goes nowhere, right? That he has risen ends up just being Goldust again. <laughs> That's yeah. what it is. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> After being gone for like two months. <laughs> Goldust is still in his like all fucked up phase with his hairs all still like messed up and everything.
3: Yeah, well, he's kind of like this later era Goldust before that switchover. They Mm kind of don't like once he did those interviews at Ross and everything, and the whole Pillman angle, like he kind of just becomes Dustin Rhodes as Goldust versus Goldust. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like up until that Pillman angle with Marlena and the Ross stuff, he's just, you know, Goldust and that's it. But after that, he's like clearly just Dustin Rhodes playing mind games with people, like at this point. Right.
0: Vince with a fucking jacket. <laughs> Jeez
2: the the intensity that Steve Austin wrestled with, mm-hmm. I think, is just unmatched. Yeah, the yeah, urgency that he could manufacture.
0: Yeah, he was fired up.
3: Yeah, just everything felt like the end of the world. Yeah, <laughs> like he had to,
0: you know, go crazy here, or else the world was coming down. Was this probably like Goldust's only documented world title shot? Maybe he fought Taker ninety seven. Maybe no. Um,
2: Does he have Sean at all in ninety six? Yeah, I was is that about just myself? dark matches?
3: No,
0: yeah, it is. No, he fights him on the Raw Championship Friday. Yeah, um, yeah,
2: yeah.
0: Did he wrestle him? He wrestled. You're right though, Marcus. Was it a dark match? It was it yeah, buried, buried alive? alive. Yeah, buried, buried, buried alive. alive. Yeah. The um.
3: I feel like he fights Austin again here in 98 or something. Hmm. Did he fight? Did he fight Brett leading up to 12? Didn't they have a match?
2: They did have a
0: match, yeah. Oh yeah, maybe. Yeah. And he leaves. When does he leave? July 99, June 99. No, uh, I think
3: Goldust. it's like May, yeah, May or June because yeah. he's at Mania. He does the blue meanie stuff, right? And then he wins the IC title, right? From yes. Road Dog, yeah, loses it to Godfather. But they fight at a pay per view. Is it Backlash? They fight, I think Goldust is, yeah, I forgot. They fight at Backlash, I think, for the IC title. I can't remember who was
0: champ, but... And then Godfather... It was was Road Dogg, I think, because Road Dogg was champ at WrestleMania. And Billy Gunn was the... uh...
3: No, but it's definitely Goldust versus Godfather at Backlash. But I I think Goldust had already won the belt. And then I feel like he retains at Backlash, and then Godfather beats him on TV, maybe, or something. Yes,
0: I don't think Godfather beat him on pay-per-view. And then Godfather supposed to lose to Blazer. yeah, And then he ends
3: up losing to Jarrett. Like right, instead, when after Owen dies, but yeah, I feel like Goldust is they reboot GTV. Remember, they kind of bring that back, yeah, yeah, and then he leaves like before they solve it or whatever.
0: Hey, little boy, my name's Seven. What's that like, uh, November, December of '99? Uh, when oh, when it
3: becomes seven, well, it's Russo. Yeah. So I want to say that's, yeah, at the end of 99, mm-hmm. like, yeah, December-ish.
2: Perfect fire up by Austin about 30 seconds ago. Crowd was Yeah, the press and, and all that was awesome. Double-legged yeah. them and Tez pressed them, and they got right back to the heat segment.
3: So this is why, like, yeah, like Herb is, it's like, whatever. Like, it didn't need to be a great match. And he kind of admits it, I guess, in some of those notes. But the heat and everyone was so into the stories, it just didn't matter. Like we had lived through so many er- like just matches, <laughs> like just we just wanted something exciting, you know? What I mean, like good, engrossing right, exactly. stories. We just you wanted to be really entertained. Need- right at that point in time, you just didn't need it. Like I, as a target demo, seventeen-year-old kid, I didn't give a shit. Like I was just like, whatever. I didn't need, you know. Maybe a little bit later, I kind of fell into the smarty wonky stuff, but not at this time. I just always think it's crazy when you look at timelines and think like, this is right where WDF is taking off, right in the Monday Night Wars, right. And we've ostensibly already seen WCW peak. ECW has already done so much of their big time history. You know, what I mean, like it's it's crazy to think, in a way, just how behind WWF was. Like, how much has already occurred during this hot period before they really become the thing, right. the number one products. I think creatively WCW is probably peaked. I think as a business, they really peak with Goldust beating Hogan. I mean, uh, Goldust, we'll get up. Goldberg beating Hogan. I think their time in the sun peaks with the finger poke. Mm. And then I think people tried still in 99, but it was just clear. Like it wasn't going to get any better, you know?
2: Yeah. That's why I'm always hesitant when people talk about like the NWO how it should have ended at like Starcade '97. Like,
3: yeah. it was
2: still super hot in the summer of '98, and you know, sure you could have ended it with like Wolfpack versus NWO Hollywood, and that would have been a better way. But right, yeah, NWO was still everywhere and still super red hot. Yeah. Um,
3: now, I I think concrete. it's lazy and and easy. You know, it's easy for people to say they they let it go too long. They should have ended it, but it's like, um. I mean you you do it. <laughs> I'm not it. like like you look at that and say this thing is still pulling in millions of dollars and it's got the biggest stars of wrestling history driving it. And like it, it's hard to pull that plug. I mean it's right. I get why they drove it to the ground. I just think their mistake is they could have done it in a way that also elevated younger guys right and set up the future while still putting those guys in the spotlight. It didn't have to be either or. Like there was a right. way to do it and do it well. They just they were just too Uninterested in doing it right, like they didn't care, you know, right? Um, yeah. I mean, and I think WWE falls in the same trap. In the late two thousands, we talk about it often, Marcus. Like in a couple of seasons, we've done a war, but they have this crop of lost souls that never. And Scott, we, on this show, we talked about it, in like 09 yeah. and stuff. Like, yep. When suddenly all the names were gone, Ooh. they hadn't taken the time to build up that next generation, and it took a gap. And the indies saving them, like, right? Like, Punk and Brian and other guys coming to stepping up and saving them um,
0: to turn on this <laughs> briscoe with the contact.
1: Can't see. Can't see.
0: They still have the, they haven't uh, changed the belt over to the scratch logo on the title belt. They still have the, no, not yet. Uh, awesome blue leather belt with still with the block logo. I don't think they get to the, the uh, which I think. Mm-hmm. Comes the dude, the fact, dudes dude,
1: to running in.
3: Yeah, I mean, this is every raw main event, <laughs> just no real finish ever, right? Yeah, no
2: <laughs> big back body drop. Did you oh, like them using dude love for this over mankind or cactus? Um, I was kind of indifferent towards Foley, like, I, I knew he was Cactus Jack, no matter what, so I was just kind of. I was, I was pretty indifferent to the different characters of Foley. At the time, I was
3: pretty annoyed, I remember thinking, like, ugh. But, looking back, I actually think it was a smart move, because Do Love is going to eminently be hateable. Like, Cactus... That was, like, that was like a good fucking Briscoe. <laughs> I was done. Oh, man. Oh, he's like, oh, shit, I really... did. He Is
2: he Hardway? Yeah, he's Hardway, yep. Jesus. Yep, and he clonked his head real good on the, the ring steps, too. <laughs> Cause he got knocked out.
3: <laughs> I mean, this is just what happens when you go guys that aren't used to doing this stuff, suddenly doing chair shots <laughs> and belt shots and everything else. But um, anyway, what was I saying?
0: I forget.
2: There's the it's iconic funny. shot at Austin.
0: You know, getting back to like the whole work rate thing and whatever, it's like, think about all three promotions at this moment in 1998, WWF, WCW and ECW. There's no work rate in any of those promotions, really. I mean, maybe a little here and no, a little there. ECW still had it
3: going on. Not as high as they had been, but it's... I mean, you still get RVD out there, like, churning out, like, great stuff yeah. regularly. And him and Sabu and Taz and stuff. So, I mean, there's still a lot of it. But. All right, so we end with Vince uh, over the bloody Gerald Briscoe to wrap us up. All right, that was a lot of fun. I mean, this is a super fun era overall for sure, to cover. Um, good choice, Marcus. Thank you.
2: Yeah, Oh, thank you guys lane. for... Thank you. I know it's uh, usually you know matches so far, but appreciate uh, the the last hour of Warzone. Uh, so who's your MVP from what we watched? I uh, gotta be old Stone Cold Steve Austin. Yeah, it's Austin, right? Yeah. Briscoe's a
3: close second. So yeah. <laughs> um, and then
1: grade. Uh, we've
3: been doing grade for the match. I guess you want to throw one on the main event.
2: Oh. I'll, I'll, I'll give it a, a B plus.
3: Well, no, the match, uh,
2: oh, on, on the match. Oh, uh, shoot. Uh, I guess I'd give it a TV3. Three.
0: TV3? Three? Yeah, right. yeah. Yeah. I'd even go three and a quarter.
3: All right. Well, that'll do. So our New Year's episode in the books. Happy New Year to all. Hopefully you enjoyed as we enter in another calendar year here on the Place to Be podcast. Again, Marcus, thanks for joining. Be sure to subscribe here on the North South Connection YouTube channel or the Place to Be Nation YouTube channel and, of course, on any podcast app as well. Scott will be back in two weeks with another new guest, another new town. We'll keep uh, chugging along down the road. We'll see what comes up next. So Until then, everyone, take care. We'll talk to you soon.
2: Love the shirt.
1: It was the closest thing I had to Raw's war. Never heard of it. The cat's in the cradle and the silver spoon Little boy blue and the man on the moon When you're coming home, Dad, I don't know when We'll get together then You know we'll have a good time then Well, it came from college just the other day He'd grown up just like me My boy was just like me And the cats in the cradle and the silver spoon Little boy blue and the man of the moon When you're coming home, son, I don't know